Like the mountain in the soil in the earth Breaking through the rocks Growing wild and tall Till the buds begin to pop Pack me in a bowl or roll me in a split Or you're breaking me down You can feel your Welcome to The Smoking Spot, a really good podcast about weed. I'm Ryan Heron in Portland, Oregon. And I'm Amanda Breeze in Toronto. On this week's episode, we are doing a news roundup from around Canada, the States, and the world. And we're really excited to give you some 2024 updates on the world of cannabis. Yeah, this is really fun. Um, I know we both kind of for work have to stay more on top of the trends and what kind of international news was happening. But most of my news has been like, what is happening here in Portland? I think following legalization in the States has been the most interesting because it's such extremes in things that are allowed in one state, things that are allowed in a different state. Every single state is different. You know, it's not been federally legalized. And then rules are just like constantly changing, even in states that have set legalization standards. I just, it's very, it's like a soap opera. Uh, Well, and if you want to get more granular than that, on the county level, it changes county to county because sometimes they'll opt out and it's it's still illegal in that county. Or sometimes they'll have a, uh, like a no dispensaries rule. So it's, it's even more wild than you think. And uh, you know what, it's, it's a good time to get into one of my news stories because it's not super fresh news. It's been happening for, for a couple of years now. And what it is, is right there on the Vegas Strip, tons of tourists there for like a weekend. They're not super familiar with the rules. They don't know that there can't be a dispensary within 1500 feet of a casino. They just know, hey, weed is legal here. It smells like weed. I could probably buy a joint and smoke it. Why not? Uh, So there are shops all up and down the strip that are much closer than 1500 feet to a casino because casinos are, are everywhere. And they're selling joints and they're selling edibles and they're selling gummies and there's weed leaves on everything and there's no thc in anything it's just a a fake dispensary it like two years ago that was a t-shirt shop that would airbrush your face on it for 36 dollars and then they realized that they could scam tourists with uh hemp gummies so these have opened up and they're they've proliferated they're all over the place oh my gosh and were you were just recently in vegas did you see some of these irl Oh, definitely. And they look a little bit like what I would call a trap shop, you know, like a dispensary that somebody set up. um, And if it has to get taken down over the weekend, they didn't lose too much money. Uh, You know, there's like a couple of glass cases. There's uh, a a lot of those hanging racks and there's a ton of products, including like mostly pre-rolls that are masquerading as weed and they have names like cannabis and you know like sleepy joe and things that you're like oh and and og and skittles like they throw like real weed names on all of this stuff as well oh wow so that is giving me um europe energy sure because they have these false storefronts so it looks like a dispensary and if you peer in through the glass you may see glass countertops, shelves with bongs, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But nobody works there. The stores are just always empty. But what they've done is put a vending machine in the front that you can buy weed from the vending machine. And you think you're buying real weed, but most of it is not. Exactly the same scenario, but in a vending machine. So there's nobody's there. And you can just put a few bucks in 
I don't know. And they all have the same names, like classic cannabis strain names. Um, I smoked a bunch. I felt like I got a little bit of a buzz, but also it was pretty dry out there for the most part. So it's hard to say. Yeah, there are plenty of times in my life where I would just smoke a joint of like, I don't know, marshmallow root or some high CBD weed or, you know, something that like wasn't really going to do the trick, but it's like, hey, hey this is kind of nice. I got a little smoke in my hand, my coffee. Uh, but being tricked into thinking you're buying weed always sucks. Especially in Vegas, because the thing is like, due to the legalization in Nevada and just that whole region, it, I would think that it was a real joint. I would never suspect otherwise. And Nevada in general has gotten better, but a few years ago when they had just opened up and there was just a few companies on the market, I had some of the worst edibles in my life. They were literally disgusting and things have since improved, but the weed is always really dry and taxed. And I mean, you're in like a tourist hotspot. Of course, you're not going to get the best herb unless you know a guy. Uh, so anyways, it's to be expected and it's just one of the things that people are kind of like, well, the laws are sort of iffy on this thing and it has created a whole market for fake joints and fake edibles, or, uh, we can call them low dose or, or CBD or hemp, whatever we want to call them. Yeah. So, uh, don't get duped. Check weed maps, check Leafly. If they're on there, they're listed and you have to probably take a, an Uber out to the spot. That's more like it. Just to build off of that, this is exactly the argument for legalization. These could very well be synthetics, right? And this could be like a THCO scenario where they're taking like hemp flower, spraying it down with something to give you a freaky little buzz. It's basically, you know, THCO is basically like the K2, the spice of 2022, <laughs> I guess is kind of when it came on the scene. You're so right about that. Yeah. And because of these synthetics, uh, being technically legal and a real THC being illegal in most states, it's created this huge rise in these synthetic products marketed as cannabis for anyone, including locals, you know? So I think that's actually one of the strongest arguments for creating drug policies, which I'm saying is like an outlaw, but I'm like, we've taken it a little too far with these synthetics. And they could arguably be very dangerous. Like THCO is like paint thinner, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, they've shown how um, some of these converted cannabinoids work more like oil in your lungs than, Ugh. you know, we've got, let's, let's call it anecdotal evidence of thousands of years of cannabis use where people have had, you know, very few um, ill effects or side effects from it. But when we start getting into the lab and just fucking with it because we have all this hemp we don't know what to do with. And like you said, people want a freaky little buzz. Um, you know, bad, bad things happen. So let's let's avoid that at all costs. OK, so interestingly enough, you're talking about some sort of like standardization or federal legalization uh, kind of leads me in some, into my next story, Ooh. which is uh, it's kind of scary a little bit. And it's about this group we've been hearing about lately uh, called CPAIR, C-P-E-A-R. Um, I, I couldn't even tell you what, what they stand for, um, but it's this big coalition for cannabis policy, which sounds great. And if the correct people we love were behind it, it would be a great thing. But instead, it seems like it's money from the alcohol industry, from the tobacco industry. Uh, it seems like Amazon has has dumped some, thrown some money at this thing as well. 
and so it is federal legalization efforts with the eye of having ultimate control of the market in very few hands. Um, it sucks. They're, they're the bad guys as far as I'm concerned. Okay. It's giving me like lobbyist vibes. Oh, that, and that's what it is. And if you go to cpair.org, um, you're going to see a lot of things that at first glance make a lot of sense. They want standardization, you know, central oversight. They want consolidation in research and education. And uh, all of those things sound great when you realize that only a few people have been granted access to those things. And the standardization is maybe like, uh, okay, something that could be very difficult is if they demanded uh, that cannabis needs to be produced under the same conditions that certain pharmaceutical drugs need to be produced. Okay, right. That could be in a, an antimicrobial yeah. clean room that costs a million dollars just to create. And so now we have plants that are being grown like without any connection to the outside world. And very few people can actually put that together. So the weed's not as good. Growers that we'd love to have be growing the weed are no longer allowed to. And, you know, the dispensaries are in a more controlled ecosystem. So anyway, uh, it, it's the thing that the more I look into it, the more I'm bummed out by it. And it's the sort of lobbying that we really need to keep an eye out for. So true. Because when I think about that type of environment that you're describing, you know, this sort of clean room, yeah, pharmaceutical grade facility. It was an issue that we ran into here in Canada early on mm -hmm. because our oversight is done by Health Canada, which is a federal organization, and they oversee the regulations being followed when it comes to cannabis. So they were sending their regulators to growing facilities, but these regulators before legalization were essentially the same people that would go into grocery stores or restaurants oh. looking for mold, looking for dirt, looking for safety violations, health violations. And so when they came into a grow room and they took their gloved finger and swiped a surface and it came up with fucking dirt on it because it's a room with dirt in it, they were denying health and safety standards being met at those facilities because they were not trained in a garden like we need like people who know gardening and what's acceptable in a garden agricultural scenario not what's acceptable in a pharmaceutical scenario and i think that's extremely problematic additionally there have been so many studies that have shown that the chemical constituents in cannabis are less effective to the point of traumatizing when used in isolation. So those THC pills for cancer patients have insane side effects and do not produce an enjoyable experience and are not as effective as just the whole plant. So anytime weed starts moving into these isolated components and this pharmaceutical approach, I become very concerned with the efficacy and the therapeutic value. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, if we're getting a lesser product out of the deal or it's harder for uh, my neighbor who has like the greenest thumb I've ever seen, it's harder for him to put a plant or two in his backyard that's well guarded and protected and fenced, then, then it's something we just got to big thumbs down, show up, be loud about. Uh, I've got two resources for you. They're actually the same resource. Uh, the Parabola Center, um, you can find them on Instagram. 
And the, what they're doing is advocating for uh, a legalization policy that's for people, not corporations. That's the byline from them, not me. But they are um, kind of lobbying for sensical regulation. It always includes uh, home cultivation and small craft licenses and things like that. Things that even states have missed out on where it's like, oh, you can go to this, the dispensary, but you're still not allowed to grow a few plants at your house. And the woman behind that is um, Shalene Title. I mean, you can easily find her through the Parabola Center. And uh, yeah, I've recently heard a couple of interviews with her after like researching this story. And I feel like she's a great resource and somebody I'm going to follow from here on out. Oh, the Parabola Center is doing absolutely fantastic work. And these are the types of people we like meet on our team absolutely. to continue advocating for the plant because to legalize but not allow home growing is still so much control and oversight. That's not true legalization. All right, I'm going to feed that into one of my stories of the week. Yeah, please do. This is actually a topic that really, really fucking pisses me off. Like, I don't know why. Oh, I do know why, but I shouldn't be as frustrated as I get. Basically, across Canada, there have been there have been a number of arrests and raids against illegal growers and people basically still selling on the black market. Wow. I find that distasteful mm -hmm. in legalization because I don't think that harsh penalties for black market should be continued to be enforced now that it's legal. And I'm not saying... I am saying anyone who grows weed should be able to sell it. If I make a loaf of bread and I want to sell it to my neighbor, that's my choice. I file my taxes, right? If you're like a small business, you should be able to do it. And I understand, I really do, why they're trying to cut out the black market. But I hate the way the media portrays it as though it's still 10 years ago. So mm -hmm. um, Ontario had a large-scale raid against cannabis operators, 17 people, hmm. and the case finally went through and they were charged. Huh, interesting. So are these people, they're getting like heavy sentences for producing cannabis kind of a thing? Yeah, in this instance, there was a 12-month conditional sentence, and I think that's very aggressive, especially for Canada. I know you're American, so that might sound gentle um by contrast <laughs> like, oh they didn't even throw away the key okay all right yeah, yeah yeah so that's one example um like quebec had 11 raids um and they found basically like a ton of cannabis and like four thousand plants which again okay that's a lot that's not like a little basement bakery scenario yeah i don't know those numbers are always like Okay, are we counting cuts? Are we counting clones? Are we counting uh, just the moms? Or is are all those plants in flower? Like, I don't know, man. Plant counts are so hard. I'm so I'm thankful that I don't have some sort of regulatory gig. Or actually, give it to me because I would say, let it go wild, guys. Jungle it up for me. Grow as many as you like. If you think you can fit more in, have at it. Yeah, that's the thing. And and honestly, it sounds like a lot. Four thousand is arguably a number of plants. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of, that's a lot of work. That's what it is down the drain. Come on guys. Yeah. I just, I just think it's, I don't know. I just think it's bullshit. They arrested three people in that one. Um, Brantford, Ontario, which is just up the road here. They recently seized quote, a large amount. What does that even mean of cannabis oil and hash boo? Like, 
that's odd. Uh, and then in Ontario as well, a man in a condo, and this is relatable because I live in a condo, he was actually ordered to pay fines and court costs when his neighbor complained of the odor of cannabis. Ooh, from smoking it? From growing a plant. From growing a plant. I'm, I'm sure it was the curing that got him. It's like, sorry, I had to hang this these couple of plants in my closet. Yeah. And I just think that's messed up. Like, again, I'm like, it's legal. I feel like that shouldn't fall under the umbrella of things that require wasting the court's time. On yeah. This if anything, maybe like a noise ordinance too loud. Here's a ticket. Here's a fine. <laughs> you know, like, here you go. Like you, this is over the acceptable decibels, my friend. Good work. Here's a badge and, and uh, a fee. That um, is so funny, Ryan. Yeah, it was a noise ordinance complaint. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Uh, let me get into this very funny, uh, viral recess thing, which I, so I'm previously in advertising. I was a copywriter. Uh, I had a lot of fun in advertising, but it, it will suck your soul away faster than the uh, cannabis industry. And there's this great ad I thought where everyone is familiar with recess, the cannabis beverage. It's uh, a CBD cannabis beverage. I think you can get it in Canada as well as in the United States, right? Here, I'm, I'm holding this up to Amanda so you know. It's like a cute little like pan, ironic font. So this is Peach Ginger Recess. What, um, it's a hemp and adaptogen infused sparkling water. And this one is this one encourages calm, cool, collective. Um, so uh, Justin Murphy on... Uh, I'm, I'm still going to call it Twitter on Twitter said cannabis is a silent epidemic wreaking havoc on the American family. A friend brought some of these over and I drank two around 8 PM. My body completely shut down and I slept from 9 PM until 10 AM. I slept through Sunday mass. How is this legal with such innocent packaging? Uh, and the funny thing about recess is they have like two or three milligrams of CBD. So, it's, it's not some knock you out juice. And over the weekend, weed nerds and people who can appreciate a couple of milligrams um, gave this guy 15 million impressions. And I thought, oh, recess. Oh, you did a genius little marketing thing and made this whole thing happen. And then I went down the rabbit hole and I read like way too many of this guy's tweets. And I, I believe that he is sincere in his like thinking that he got uh, roofied by a couple of milligrams of hemp juice. Uh, but yeah, everyone had a complete field day with this thing and had so much fun just like, you know, digging into this guy and making fun of it and, uh, you know, clapping and, uh, celebrating the marketing efforts. But yeah, it was just some dude who just posted a dumb thing that went viral. Oh my gosh. Well, on one hand, I feel bad for the guy because he obviously thought he was drugged. Sure. That's a bad feeling for anybody. Yes. But... Still, I've had similar drinks in the States and it wouldn't have that effect. I mean, placebo is a hell of a drug, right? So maybe he really needed that CBD. I don't know. Maybe he was really needed a nap. Yeah, you got to catch up on sleep, right? Maybe he just needed an excuse to miss Sunday mass. And he was like, well, I can tweet this out. My wife will see it. No one at church will be mad at me. 
Um, but then 15 million impressions later, he's, you know, bummed about the whole thing. Was the comment section like trolling the guy or did anyone take his side or was it like the weed community just being like, the fuck? Uh, mostly the latter. I mean, let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's be real, especially, I don't know, my, uh, my ex feed is probably uh, more tuned towards me. So I'm going to get all the, all the weed love up top. But, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, I, saw this the other day and I, I laughed about it. And then I saw that it got like monster impressions. Um, I think fueled by recess, who's done a lot of like smart marketing in the past and a lot of like good planted stuff, like in the New York times and things like that. So it led me into reading more about how dry January, which is something I participated in or damp January, we're going to call it. I had a couple of drinks. It really encouraged uh, sales of cannabis beverages. Now, I don't think we'll really be able to get like a, a close eye on the real numbers it did. But anecdotally, I read a few things um, that cannabis beverages uh, went up in January because people were looking at alternatives to alcohol, um, which I think is really just like a little look into the future. We've already seen that millennials are rejecting alcohol much more than you know previous generations. So leaning into things like CBD drinks, adaptogenics, cannabinoids. Uh, I think those are all fair game and are, you know, growing categories for a reason. Oh, I get that. I really genuinely wish that is a point of regulation that I hate. It's so hard to find drinks like that because even if it's a really low amount of CBD, you still have to buy it through a dispensary here. Uh, and it still has to go through the entire process of becoming a product that can even be sold in a dispensary. Whereas, you know, you can go to any corner store and find a CBD drink anywhere in America, literally anywhere. And it's it's unfortunate because, you know, I've been in those situations where you're just like somewhere and you want a nice chill drink. You don't want a soda. You want something else. I go for that drink. That drink was designed for people exactly like me. I would drink those every day. Uh, and we just don't have that here. We don't get to enjoy beverages with a little bit of CBD. I mean, that's too bad. It's uh, while some people are feeling like they got roofied, most people are like you and are happy to just have one of those, uh, you know, before yoga, after work, on a lunch break, like all of these things. Like, uh, I mean, think about these. Okay, you, you're going to have to tell me if Toronto is as bad with little like uh, peach ice or cucumber or mojito flavored vapes that seem to be omnipresent around Portland. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like weed, weed vapes or like... No, no, no. Nicotine vapes. Like I think Elf Bar is kind of the colloquial name that we call all of them, even though there's many brands. Uh, I'm not I'm not hip to the, the vape community. <laughs> You're not hip to the elf bar. Step up, Amanda. Uh, no, no, they're they're everywhere. They really are. And I, I see them for sale. I see them, everyone smoking or vaping them. Uh, I see the trash of them all over in the, in the ditches and everything. And what it is, hey, it's a hit of a small amount of drugs, nicotine, of flavor, cucumber ice. You get a little, you go back to work, you're good, right? Yeah. And uh, I won't begrudge anyone who wants that because, hey, my version of that is probably like a THC soda or uh, a dab pen or stepping into the other room and smoking a little tiny joint. Uh, so great. The more of those, the better. I just hope we're doing it right, you know? Interesting. Um, but you know, you're, you're right. I've been to a, quite a few 
like little dinners lately where the host has offered like, oh, do you want like a soda or would you like a glass of wine or do you want a cannabis drink? And they're just keeping their fridge stocked with all of the above for people to enjoy because everyone has, you know, a different preference. These days, we're all adults. We live in the future. There's so much selection. Like, it makes sense to me, just to go back to your news, that January is really shown that people are ready to move away from alcohol. And I would say at most of these events, people choose the wheat drinks over the wines. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, especially at an event like that, it's kind of a conversation piece, which sounds a little silly. But when you think about like the success of Liquid Death, which exists to be uh, like an alcohol alternative or something you can hold in your hand, like probably at the bar where people aren't going to be like, what the fuck, man? Why are you drinking water? And the, the more of those things we have, the more alternatives and options you have to just grab something. And it's a conversation piece that you can say, oh, yeah, this thing's got CBD in it. La, la, la. I feel like I'm in a bubble bath, but I'm actually in a dirty bar. Great. You know, uh, more of that. please. Yeah. For me, I have been thinking about this. I always think about this because I love <laughs> freaking CBD drinks. I love CBD drinks so much. Yes. And I like working in coffee shops, mm -hmm. but I cannot consume more coffee. So like once two o'clock hits, I don't want a coffee. I don't want an Americano. I don't want anything. What I would love is a nice little $5 bubbly CBD drink that I can sit in a cafe at my computer and just get some work done as I would with a coffee, but I just don't want the coffee anymore. So I did recently find a juice bar that has happy hour, like $5 juice happy hour. No CBD, it's just a juice bar. BYO CBD. Yeah, it's just like it's a nice alternative to sitting in a coffee shop because I, I really, really don't want the coffee anymore. <laughs> okay. I have conditioned myself to drink, you know, 9 to 11 cups a day all the way to midnight, not stopping me. But I would, I'm sure, love to take advantage of this little middle hour where, okay, you drink coffee up until noon, then you switch to juice and cannabinoid products. And then if you care to have some alcohol, you know, five, six, seven, nine PM, go for that. Um, <laughs> are there any other uh, mind altering substances we can slip in throughout the day? Yes, but that's just the general pro productivity routine, you know? Part of being an adult is not slipping other drugs in throughout the day. For me, for me, that is when I established adulthood was when I stopped eating mushrooms just for funsies around lunchtime, you know? Yeah. We say these for um, special occasions. <laughs> well, you know, I have a problem with um, taking a micro dose that I can't feel. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'll just take two micro doses. That's a nice amount that I can feel it. And then I'm like, I probably shouldn't drive to the grocery store right now because I am under the influence of a double micro dose. So, uh, you know what? It's a, it's a, funny place to be where you're like, okay, a little bit of mushrooms is nice. And then you're like, okay, buckle in and get the journal out because we have some thoughts to put down. That's so funny. I was scrolling through my camera and I found some pictures from a couple years ago uh, that was just zoomed, zoomed images of grass, like <laughs> my phone zoomed in on grass and that Mm -hmm. Afternoon well spent. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh -huh. Yeah. You know what? An afternoon with one blade of grass could be revelatory. <laughs> honestly, I, I truly believe that. I was experiencing a bug's eye view. So I was trying to capture the moment, you know, because it was obviously very profound. Um, 
Yeah. Anyway, all yeah. right. I got some some global news here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Hit me with what you have because I have kind of I have one last thing that I want to talk about, and it's a little bit of like a bummer. Um, so we'll just we'll kind of like do that at the end, and then. Oh, I love that. Let's yeah. lean into the shit yeah, stories. Lean into okay, the so bummers. Yeah. This one's like a. This one's like a a mixed bag a little bit because, in international news, Germany is positioned to potentially legalize by April of this year. And so I don't know too much about Germany's systems of governance, how they create new laws, how things like that pass. But I assume it's comparable to most democratic nations. It's going to go through a series of of processes and, and whatnot, make its way up to the top, and then it goes through. And so um, it's been making its way through the courts up to this final decision that they genuinely believe will happen in April. Now, the thing is, part of what is pushing this legislation forward is lobbyist groups. Mm -hmm. Before I get into the lobbyist groups, I just want to highlight a couple of things that Germany is talking about, which is that they want to raise the possession limits, um, completely eliminate jail time, for exceeding possession limits. Wow. I really respect that. And they also want to establish like different pilot programs for commercial sales that basically is going to help position the EU overall to roll out kind of this cannabis legislature, right? Like all these countries are so small and connected. So it makes sense that they're trying to set up something that works for everyone. So one of the issues that they're also trying to focus on is the illicit market. Mm -hmm. An illicit market exists everywhere. That's why this legalization conversation is just so insane. Um, but anyway, they're trying to obviously eliminate the black market. And basically what they're calling this is a new era and a new progressive drug policy for Germany. Uh, and there's this amazing quote that I picked up from one of the articles that just came out about it, uh, which is that, quote, the era of dysfunctional paradigm of forbid and punish is coming to an end in our country. That is so succinct because that really sums up cannabis to this point, forbid and punish. Yes, which doesn't work. It doesn't even work a little bit. It What it does is separate people from, from their families and like make people destitute. It's ridiculous. I'm so glad. Germany has been trying for, I want to say two or three years now, really championing Europe's legalization efforts you know, the Netherlands has had weed shops for forever. You just have to go and like give them the secret knock and they'll slip you the menu. Germany, on the other hand, it's it hasn't been super easy to get weed there. I mean, you know, just like anywhere else, you just know a guy. So it's cool that they're putting so much effort in. They really were starting with like, hey, let's have dispensaries. Let's do like a, a United States model, like deli style, like really something that, that looked great. And then uh, I, I believe you said the EU uh is, is big thumbs down energy at all of this so this is their kind of like iterated version throughout the years that is more focused on i think home cultivation and clubs kind of like spain has so it would still be more of a private efforts but something that would still be accessible to like amanda or i if we went out there and we're in berlin for a month and really wanted to get our hands on some local weed Yes. I'm very interested to see kind of what happens at the end of this long process. I mean, obviously we're moving towards legalization. 
I like that they're moving away from the North American approach. I like that they're not following how we rolled it out here, how America treats cannabis still is basically an illegal thing. So I'm actually really soaked on, on the direction that they're moving in. But if it does go through, they will become a destination for cannabis, which positions Canada poorly in the cannabis tourism market for a few reasons. One, Germany is extremely progressive when it comes to things that Canada boasts being progressive about. So like, this is a very safe country for LGBTQ people. Um, this is a very multicultural nation. So like lots of different people are welcome here at any time. It's a safe place to visit. You know, we have fairly strict gun laws. And then you look at Germany, they're basically offering like Berlin is queer as fuck. Like Berlin is a place you would want to go. But on top of that, it's affordable. A coffee in Berlin is a euro. A coffee in Toronto is $6. So why would you come here when you could do the same thing there? And it's just as safe, but more affordable to explore. So people have been saying it for years. Canadian cannabis tourism is so fucked when other nations open up because we have nothing to offer except selling weed, which again, you could buy anywhere, anywhere in the world. Uh, so that'll be interesting. Now, the downside of this whole story is a lot of what's pushing this legislation are Canadian cannabis corporations and the list of the brands most likely to benefit from Germany are the following. Tilray, Cura Leaf, Kronos, Organigram, and Aurora. These are big names in Canadian cannabis. Yeah, those are the biggest names in Canadian cannabis. Now, lest we forget, Cura Leaf in 2022 sold droppers of CBD oil to customers that contained undisclosed amounts of THC and a man literally died from complications after ingesting their quote, CBD drops. There's one death for cure relief. So the, uh, the closet for skeletons at cure relief is all the way full and they have had to move it into a storage facility. Cure relief and select, uh, which started in Oregon have had a long history here. It's one of those like rabbit holes that it's like, how deep do you, would you like to go down it? Um, so it's, it's not great that they have turned into this like gigantic, uh, powerful force, um, even internationally. Canada has been exporting drugs for many years, uh, especially things that like you can't, you don't have access to. And uh, we might have some stories coming up on that in the future. Yes. Uh, we won't dig into that too much here. But uh, so it's really interesting to hear uh, that the companies that are going to benefit from uh, Europe legalizing are so close to home. Uh, I want to name and shame a couple others here that are on that list because I completely agree. The whole reason we started this podcast. So Tilray, also on the list, just came out an article less than a month ago. They reported a net loss of $46.2 million in the last quarter. Oh. So $46.2 million, oopsies, <laughs> loss. How, please don't go to Germany, Tilray. Stay home. <laughs> Yeah. Ruin, ruin things somewhere else. You know what? If they if they want to like enrich themselves while pouring uh, money and salty pesticides down the drain, then can we maybe just like catch the pesticides and let them continue to burn through cash? 
oh, let's go on to the topic of pesticides. So Organigram also on the list. They're in an active lawsuit right now because of their mislabeling of their products as organic and being sold to medical patients. Uh, so the patients were literally buying them for medical reasons. They were supposed to be organic, free from pesticides. And there is an active lawsuit because a woman in Halifax, I think, uh, was violently ill, violently ill, and had severe and adverse health consequences due to the mislabeling of their products, uh, which ended up being recalled in a series of multiple recalls that didn't just happen one time. They weren't like, oops, this one time. This was many batches sent out at different times and then later, again, at different times, realizing they had to recall them. So this has been ongoing since 2017 of mislabeled organic products and extremely, extremely high testing harmful pesticides in their medical grade products. Shame. shame. Yeah, shame. And, you know, as much as I hate more regulation when uh, companies are able to do their own pesticide testing, their own microbial testing or whatever, we see this type of stuff where it's like, oops, we didn't know that lots one through 106,000 um, were all contaminated. You know, we tested one lot and it was all good. And yeah, let's, let's move on from that. Uh, so it's really wild that you can't even necessarily trust the things that are marked as like, hey, this has been vetted to be organic or the company at least says it is and we should be able to trust that. Um, it's uh, I, for many years now, I have been a big champion of uh, legal recreation cannabis, recreational cannabis, because I have seen um, people setting off bug bombs at other grows on the black market. And I think, you know, that's awful. And that's, that's not the ideal situation we want to be in, but more and more lately, the ideal situation looks more like the old man on the Hill. who's kind of keeping to himself and growing for himself and his friends. So, you know, get to know your neighbors, I guess. And mostly if you live in a legal area, find like the rec farms that you can totally jive with and reach out and ask them questions and keep doing that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it just, it's actually very reminiscent of the eye drops story you told me a few weeks ago on the podcast. Oh, yeah, it still haunts me. Yeah. Bro, it haunts me too. Yeah. Uh, just a quick recap for our listeners and jump in if I'm messing up the details. But basically, a big eye drop company had contaminated products that did it cause death? Am I exaggerating? Yeah, no, no, you're totally right. Uh, yeah, these uh, it was a private label um, manufacturer of eye drops, right? And they had um, antibody re resistant. Oh yes, uh, bacteria in them, and the people lost eyes, people lost their lives. Big tear, and you know you're tearing off the little like safety seal on something. You're like, okay, this can go on my eyeball, um, but no, like better, <laughs> better not. <laughs> I'm telling you, that story messed me up, and like. Yeah, I just, I really don't want bad things to happen to our, you know, our brothers and sisters smoking pot in freaking Germany. You know, I don't want our, our German canafam to suffer the consequences of the shitty corporations that we have in freaking North America. And I really doubt there will be. Just based on how Europe treats food. Uh, you know, banning Monsanto, banning GMOs from a lot of countries, how they treat that type of agricultural product. 
I believe they're going to actually set a standard. But again, with all these lobbyist groups. Yeah. Well, do we see French weed farmers driving tractors through like the Athena salt fertilizer headquarters? Maybe. I want to smoke that weed. Let like EU lighten up. Let people grow some weed. And the silver lining is that since Germany is kind of leaning towards where we see Spain living right now, we're going to see clubs, which already fosters a competitive atmosphere. Oh, that's your weed? Well, this is my weed. Oh, that's your hash? My hash is this. Great. We want that. We want things to be as competitive as possible uh, as far as egos are concerned, because that's how we're going to get the best weed and people dedicating their uh, their energy to those things. And and like Spain is right now, where everyone sees their, uh, their neighbor's lights go on for 12 hours every day and they just don't say anything about it. Maybe we get that in Germany as well, where it's like, oh yeah, I know my neighbor grows weed. I can smell it all the time, but he's a nice guy and I'm, I'm not going to bug him about it, even if it's not my thing. I have a really, really good friend that lives in Spain and she basically just has, you know, like 10, 15 plants in her backyard. And when it's good, she sells it to dispensaries. It's farmer's market style. You got a, you got a beautiful tomato. You can sell it at the farmer's market. You have an ugly tomato. No one's going to buy it, but Mm -hmm. she can sell any of her pot that they will buy at the dispensaries. And I just think that's really what's up. That's how you grassroots up to the top. Whereas instead of starting with millions of dollars or a trust fund or crazy number of investors, she's just a girl who grows weed and they like it. So they buy it, you know? I I like that. And, and, She's not competing against someone who has $46 million to lose. Exactly. I mean, you should see my Super Bowl commercial if I had $46 million to lose. You know, I would have the best swag. I would have these 30 pound hoodies that were so thick and luscious and had the best art on them. You couldn't stop yourself from wearing them. Uh, And it's hard to compete with people that have that kind of money to throw away for facilities, for trimmers, for ads, for lobbying. Yeah. Uh, it's that's the hard part. So as much as I joke about watching these companies like burn through all their dollars, uh, it's the thing that is also putting the mom and pops out of business because they're like, I, I just need groceries and I can't lose my grocery money because I'm trying to build a brand from T-shirts and bed size pillows. Um, if you had a $46 billion weed company, like, do you have a celebrity? If you could have, like, any celebrity or any, like, famous person, is there anyone you'd, like, recruit? You know, I, I, I'm i not huge on celebrity culture, so I just want to go gr- straight for the Met Gala. How many... How many little winks can I get somebody to wear like a loud 100 earring that is like dangles to the floor and drags along the red carpet or something? Can I just get a little PR buzz the next day? That is so funny. Uh, And what are you going to do with your $46 billion weed company? How are you going to let the people know? Me? You know, me. Who else is here? It's just me. (laughs) Oh, just me? Oh, in my emerald temple I built with my own hands? Oh, yeah, probably something with that. Um. You know what? This is a kind of a wild card one because like on one hand, you know, the business woman in me, the the boss bitch is like, you know, Tay-Tay, big fan. Uh, but on the flip side, I have this really wingnut friend 
who make really, <laughs> really, really amazing art out of trash. And okay. he's like a nihilistic street performer based out of Brooklyn. Right now he's in Thailand. Um, his name is Kalen. And he does like puppet shows using trash. Okay. And one time I was watching him perform and he had found plastic coat hangers in a dumpster and he was just breaking them. That's all he was doing, just breaking them. And I have never been so enthralled <laughs> in a performance. I was experiencing emotions I didn't even know I had. It was like ah, capitalism and love and, and, and beauty and all of these things you want art to do. So I would legitimately have Kaylin do uh be be my guy be my celebrity they, like they would never do it but that's part of the magic for 46 million dollars <laughs> i can have a design group study his work and reproduce it in a very rip-off fashion where he doesn't get any of the royalties um it'll look almost the same and everyone will not even know the difference wow that's very corporate cannabis of you yeah like <laughs> I'm not wearing my orange Sherbinsky hoodie, but I could be, you know, mentally I am. Yeah, that's that's how you know you've made it, because that's how you make the $46 billion, stealing nihilistic street puppets. So, uh, Well, you know, you have some conferences coming up, so you have more more weed scene things than I do. I don't have, I'm not going to any Hall of Flowers. I don't have anything going on right now that is, is coming up. Maybe in March, that remains to be seen. Uh, so I, I feel like I'm a little out of the loop as far as like corporate weed um booths and what they're throwing money at and swag i'm not seeing a lot of that i i know that um david downs who we had on a, a few weeks ago was kind of showing off uh, a sherbinsky espresso cup set and i thought well all right that's kind of cool that's pretty sweet uh yeah there's yeah. some good expos coming up here now that we have sampling a lot of money is just going to sampling so the last uh sort of bigger cannabis event that i went to um, no one had freaking lighters. And I swear, Ryan, I only go so that I can save, you know, that 20 bucks every six months on lighters. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm running low. So I didn't, I haven't bought a lighter since legalization and I actually yes. had to buy one because there, no one's doing swag. Everyone's throwing all their money into sampling right now. Uh, so yeah, there's, it's been a nice decline in, you know, producing trash basically it's slowed down but can expo is coming up uh in march uh march 22nd i think that's like the next big one and that's what we talked about last week that's where the literary showcase would be but i do want to add to our little news report this week that cheechable who we love currently has an open call for submissions and so i wanted to like throw that out there the deadline is february 15th so it's coming in hot uh it's like industry stroll um stories Fiction, nonfiction, poetry, art, graphic design, photography. There's a whole list. Uh, you could check out their website, cheachable.com. And uh, it's like a really awesome alt. I don't I don't want to say anarchist because I don't want to assume, but it gives me like No, it has anarchist vibes. Like it's very like uh of zine culture, but it's professionally produced and bound and printed um by our friend Alicia and uh, other folks at Cheachable. It is such a cool publication. It's so cool, right? Yeah, yeah. It always has super killer art and photography and writing in it. And the writing is uh, essays and poetry. And like Alicia curates it with a really keen eye, but also accepts like a breadth of stuff. Yes. 
So, uh, yeah, I highly suggest you go check out, uh, I think it's just Cheechable, yeah. maybe Cheechable Sesh. Cheechable.com. Uh, I, I have it open because yeah. I'm thinking about sending something. I just haven't had a chance to sit down. But also the quality of work is fantastic. The writing is really amazing. And um, I think, was it the last one? They did a whole series on radical like accounting. Uh, and this feature of a group that teaches people like anyone can do accounting, here's how, uh, you know, the history of products. Yeah, it's just such a great. So if you are not inclined to do submissions, at least read it. It's fantastic. Yeah, yes. And it's uh, the, I think the older issues are like 15 or 25 bucks. Um, so go on there and buy like two or three of them and she'll ship those out. And they're just the perfect thing to have kicking around on your coffee table. Or if you're a bathroom book type of person, go ahead and throw it in there. Yeah. I took one uh, of the, di I had a uh, digital copy and I just kept it open on my computer and just slowly picked away at it over a couple of weeks. Right. Like I just, anytime I was kind of killing time, I just read another article and it was just really, yeah, I couldn't put it down in, in the digital sense. Uh, I kept the tab open. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hey, good shouting them out and perfect timing while they're um, getting their next publication together. I know we have like a lot of readers and people who have interesting stories to tell listening to the podcast. So appreciate that. Um, so what's your like sad, sad world story you want to end with? You know what? It is a sad world story. There's a, a gentleman in the cannabis community um, named Nicholas and or Nicotee, as you might know him on Instagram or uh, Overgrow or any of the other weed things he's been on. He uh, is largely responsible for popularizing solventless hash culture. Like he even admits, he's like, look, I'm, I'm not the guy who created this. People have been separating resin glands uh, for, for thousands of years, but I'm the guy that like thought a lot about it and put a lot of effort into it. And he claims he coined the word solventless. He's like the first one that's like, I think if we froze this material, it would, yield better results. And so fresh frozen is largely attributed to him. So, you know, he's, he's a very humble guy, uh, who also does the consulting thing and travels all around teaching hash workshops, helping people set up their hash production, um, solventless and, and I, I believe only solventless. Uh, so this leads him on worldwide trips to go and teach and educate, uh, very much like Frenchie cannoli had done before he passed away. And when he was in Chile, Chile, however you want to pronounce it, I'm a white dude from Oregon. So um, when he was in Chile, his wife was pulled out of their hotel room and arrested. And she's been in jail for better part of a month, I believe. What? And so there's a, a big effort to try and get her out and get her home. Cannabis is uh, legal for medical use and it has been decriminalized. So it feels uh, very punitive to yank her out of her hotel room in the middle of the day and throw her in jail. So, you know, it's, it's another country. Their jail system is quite different than ours. It's a very like commissary base where you can buy a certain amount of food and a certain amount of cigarettes for someone like per day. So I'm going to just uh, encourage anyone who, who cares about legalization or advocacy to go track down the GoFundMe for Betty. His Instagram is N-I-K-K-A underline underline T. He's relatively easy to find because he's kind of a, a big name. And, uh, you know, he's just doing like any other family person would do. And he's out there. He's like working. He's still teaching hash workshops and trying to put the funds together to, I don't know, get her a legal team, 
pay off some fines. I'm not exactly sure what the, the end result is, but bringing his wife home is number one. That is horrific. That is truly horrific. And it's a big reminder, like, hey, we're very privileged. Um, even before full legalization, I can walk down the street with a joint in my hand. I, I don't even get a dirty look. And it's a nice reminder that often when we travel, that is not the case. So a little reminder to everyone and also like, hey, let's let's keep an eye out and uh, possibly even be uh, appreciative of the situation we currently have. Wow. Now I feel like such a jerk for being like, why don't they have CBD drinks in corner stores? And this woman's <laughs> literally in prison. Um, wow, that's really intense. But you know what? It it reminds me of our episode on Croatia, yes. which is also decriminalized. Right. Where had my friend Sarah come on and talk about her experience being arrested and what she faced, even though she had less than a gram in a decriminalized country and what she went through during that process uh, as an American visiting Croatia. She did not end up spending more than a day dealing with the police, but it was still a very excessive show considering yep. their status and that you would think again, decriminalizing means be respectful and you'll be fine. Like, but that's not the case. Well, and um, I think that's a, an episode that's worth listening to because it does show you like how much time is still being wasted with people being harassed over a small amount of this plant. So, uh, you know, very interesting episode today where we went from like fake weed gummies to real weed consequences and kind of covered everything in between. I think that's that's fun. We got uh, a nice breadth of news here. Is there anything else you want to cover before we wrap things up? No, but I love that little tagline. That was fantastic. Oh, okay. All I had to do was like drink half a gallon of coffee during the episode. And now, I, now I'm with it. So stay tuned for the after show. Oh, the fun fact is how many gulps I have to remove when I'm editing these things. <laughs> Gulp? I could do an hour of just gulps from right. I, I, I want a smash cut of all the all the sips and gulps. And uh, we should be glad that we're not recording these late at night anymore. You'd have to deal with my clinking of the ice in my cocktail glass. No, we're doing a nice Wednesday afternoons. No talk of aphrodisiacs this week. Oh, big, big relief. <laughs> Hopefully everyone <laughs> could hang in there for that episode last week. And then everyone gets a, a fat jar of something that smells like violets or conversation hearts for uh, for the Valentine's Day. Exactly. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of The Smoking Spot, everyone. As usual, you can find us on Instagram at the.smokingspot. And if you've stuck around this long, rate us five stars. And don't forget to subscribe to get the first updates on future episodes. Santa matter, work in a pain. An anguish life may bring you Oh, smoke it up, hold it down and don't ever stop Well, you can always find your smoking spot Yeah, you can always find your smoking spot Hey, Smoking Spot fans! We're here to tell you about the newest launch from Centelligence Projects. Over the last year, we've created the Cannabis Aroma Wheel. It's a sensory tool designed to help connoisseurs take their knowledge to the next level. So whether you're a bud tender, dispensary owner, cultivator, or you just love the smell of weed, you can better appreciate the cannabis in front of you. Get your copy of the most detailed sensory tool built specifically for the cannabis industry 
and order your cannabis aroma wheel today at intelligenceproject.com.